morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 131, and I am pleased to have on Cassie Schuett, the head girls basketball coach at Gothenburg High School in the square of Dawson County off of exit 211, just west of Cozad, just east of Brady, Nebraska. Uh, Cassie is the girls basketball coach there at Gothenburg. Uh, my first year of teaching and coaching, uh, I was in Gothenburg, Nebraska, and so Cassie, we, we are both Swedes at heart. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for having me today, Marty. I appreciate that. Well, and we are excited to have you. We're excited to talk about you and your career and the stuff that you've done. Uh, but before we do that, i got to try and uh, pay some bills here and stuff. So uh, we have first, of course, want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see COSAC Chiropractic. Check out their practice at COSAC, that's K-O-S-A-K, Cairo.com. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to check us out there. Obviously, if you're listening, you're on iTunes, so download, rate, review, give this podcast five stars so that we can get the word out and gain momentum in the ratings so that we can help as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. Questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Check out a pen and a napkin.com. A lot of really, really good coaching resources there. And of course, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash a pen and a napkin. Cassie, it's it's been a little bit of a crazy day trying to get this off the ground, but we're finally here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sorry about all that communication and whatnot. <laughs> well, well, you kind of did your thing, and then I did my thing, and 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 now we're doing our thing. So better That's late great. than never. We're we're here. We're ready to roll with it. So, uh, but really excited to have you on. Uh, really, really impressed with you. The the first time I got to see a coach this year was at the state tournament, and I thought you did a really, really good job with your team. So I'm really excited to talk to you here this afternoon and just kind of you know uh, delve into your philosophy and your background and everything that you've done. So uh, let's get started with that, Cassie. Tell us a little bit about your basketball journey. How did you end up being the head girls basketball coach at Gothenburg High School? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I uh, graduated high school in 2011 from Maxwell and then um, was lucky enough to go back. And where is Maxwell for those? Okay, so yeah, absolutely. Maxwell is uh, 12 miles east of North Platte and about eight miles west of Brady. So 12 miles, that'd be exit 199, I believe. Correct. All right. See, I still I still have that memorized. <laughs> Between Kearney and North Platte, I think my wife and I memorized the numbers of every single exit of every single town in between there. So I, I feel good now. All right. Sorry. Continue. I, I, no. I, I'm giving my Where's Waldo lesson here. So <laughs> go ahead. No, that's absolutely great because, you know, I grew up there and I lived there for, gosh, 26 years. And I somehow forget the exit number every time so <laughs> i'm glad that you knew it <laughs> well if you miss it it's a long ways to turn around yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so i'm sorry go ahead yeah so i graduated from there in 2011 and i uh, went to college at Kearney and then hastings and i went for a dental assisting actually and so uh, while working at the dental office uh, my alma mater i had a coach call me and ask if i would be willing to be their assistant coach um so of course i was excited for that and 
got to do that for three years and then was um, moved up and advanced to the head coach position there at Maxwell. And I also coached that for three years. And then in the midst of the pandemic and whatnot, um, Dr. Rhodes, uh, who was the superintendent at Maxwell for six years and then um, had moved to Gothenburg and was there for a couple of years, he had reached out and had a sped position open. So um, asked if I would apply and said that the girls basketball job is open as well. So, you know, I thought I would use it more for uh, experience since um, interviews kind of make me nervous. So I thought, you know, this one's through Zoom. I can handle that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so jumped on with Zoom and you know, a couple of days later, they offered me both the girls' basketball job and the sped job. So I thought, you know, what not? Might as well jump in and take it. And here I am. So interviews make you nervous, but you agree to come on and talk to this knucklehead for an hour or so. So <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's the, more of the in-person stuff. Oh, gotcha. I'm a little bit more nervous. <laughs> well, my, my wife has told me I have a face for podcasting, so it, it works out well. So I... I well, there I, you I, go. I, yeah, so... Um, well, you know, uh, let's let's kind of talk about you a little bit here. Uh, one of the themes that, as I was getting ready for for today, uh, that kept kind of coming up it, it were two words with you, uh, which was building loyalty and building trust, and and those seem to be, and, and those obviously those are two words that are important to everybody, but with you especially. Uh, those seem to be, uh, if I were to to use the term properly, two real big cornerstones to your teaching and coaching philosophy. I hope I'm not going too far out on a limb here with that. Uh, how you know, and everybody wants that, but how do you build that loyalty and build that trust so that you do have that reciprocation with your players, that you do have that loyalty from them, you do have their trust, so that they feel good about playing for you and feel loyal to you. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. You know, those are two of the biggest things for me in coaching. And, you know, I would uh, venture off to put those even above the X's and O's of basketball, in my opinion, because especially with girls sports, you know, girls are hard to they're hard to read. They really are. And um, I I grew up in a family of four boys and my, my single father raised me. So, you know, I got kind of pushed around in that hard way. So it's been important to me to kind of reach out and Um, understand the girls and be kind of a player's coach so I try to really connect with them and you know we tell jokes we laugh we you know I I show them that I'm a person as well as a coach and I can be there for them outside of what they need um, on the basketball court so I think that's the most important thing and you know in these two years at Gothenburg I've really tried to build those relationships and show them that I care and I'm here for them as more than just basketball players I'm here for them as you know as uh, maybe you know a uh, older sister or whatnot in a certain uh, in a certain way, and so I think that that's important. And I think that you know, for the most part, they've really welcomed me with open arms, and we get along really well. And I don't waste their time; they don't waste my time. I respect them; they respect me. So I think that that's really important. How did you approach it from the get go? Did you have a plan to build that loyalty and trust, or was it just something that you just kind of came in? You didn't make a big production or a big deal out of it, and and you just let it grow organically. How did how did you do that? Yeah, you know, absolutely. So while at Maxwell, um, the the trust and the loyalty was a lot easier to gain in my athletes because I was from there. You know, because um, my name was on the record board. You know, they knew me a little bit. They knew that I played basketball, and I and I knew what I was doing with that. So when I moved to a new community where 
uh, you know, they don't know my background. They don't know anything about me, really. Um, it was one of those things where I had to kind of just step back and, like, kind of let it flow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I, mm-hmm. I started with jokes, you know, before every game. Um, we, we start with a joke, and so it kind of lightens the mood a little bit, takes them off their, their mind off the basketball game and all the stress that goes into it. And I think that that certainly helped. Mm-hmm. Um, how difficult uh, was that leaving your alma mater? Uh, you know, up to this point in my life, I'm, I, I don't know how old I am. I think I'm 29, but, okay. oh, geez. Um, <laughs> well, if you're losing it at 29, wait till you get to my age. So, <laughs> right. Oh, so, oh, that stung a little bit, but anyway, go ahead. Uh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, you know, that was one of the hardest decisions I had to make, um, up to this point in my life, just because I truly thought that I was going to be a lifer there. I thought that, you know, that was a great fit. Um, the school was awesome. The people there were awesome. Um, the community members were great, but you know, it just one of those things where I was kind of comfortable and I thought if I'm going to push myself a little bit more, um, professionally, uh, I needed to get out of my comfort zone a little bit. So that's inevitably why I took it. Mm-hmm. Um, you had mentioned that you have a, a non-traditional classroom. You, you, uh, you teach uh, special ed, you, uh, work with, uh, students that obviously have uh, some things that don't make it possible for them to completely operate fully in a in a normal classroom, so to speak, uh, right. which is which is a unique perspective from you know somebody like me who just teaches juniors and seniors in history and government or whatever it may be. What do you think about that teaching background has helped you with your with your coaching? and and help develop those relationships to build that loyalty to build that trust with your players and and to build it in your program from top to bottom yeah absolutely i think that's a huge um a huge part of uh while relationships and loyalty and honesty is such a big part of my um coaching is because of my teaching you know i do i work like you said i work with a lot of the students that you know education and academics doesn't come easy to them and you know even outside of that the social aspect doesn't come easy to them they're Mm -hmm. often bullied because of you know the disabilities that they have or whatnot and so they have to have somebody to go to and they have to have a room that they feel comfortable in and and to do that I have to uh, differentiate so many different things and make sure that they feel comfortable with me so that I can teach them or else you know they're not going to learn what they need to learn Mm -hmm. do you think that in, in that line, that line of, of education helps you with different strategies on how to build connections with kids? Yeah, I, I absolutely do because every student that I um, is on my caseload is so much different. And, you know, some are like, they like to be hugged. They like to be talked to. And then there's others of like, do not touch me, do not look at me type of a thing. So I mm-hmm. think that, you know, you have all different personalities and you have a bunch of different, you know, age groups that you work with too that is like, okay, so I have to try this. If this doesn't work, it's kind of like a trial and error every day. So then mm-hmm. I do, I take some of those strategies that I learn in the classroom with the students that I work with and I take them um, to the basketball court for sure. Yeah. Uh, when, when you're, when you're doing that, uh, is there, Oh, what's the what's the phrase I'm looking for here? Uh, you're 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 trying to make those connections. It forces you to think outside the box. Not not only with with your your educational part of it, but does it also help? Again, kind of translating it to coaching with maybe some game planning and 
you know, this is the non-traditional way of thinking about things, or have we thought about this angle? Has that helped develop your coaching philosophy as well? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's helped develop it in so many different ways. That being one is I always, I always have a backup plan just in case, because, you know, in the sped classroom, something doesn't always work. And truthfully, it's, you know, minute by minute, day by day with with some of the personalities that you have. So you always have to have something in your back pocket ready to go. And I think that that's definitely something that I've taken to the basketball court and um, with my coaches and they know that and my athletes and they know that. And, and I think it's just something that everybody is on board with and it helps. Mm-hmm. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. This year, you, you made your first big run to the state tournament as a head coach. What was that experience like for you uh, going through, you know, you, you get done with your regular season. You had a very good regular season. Uh, you knew you had a, a path, a, a, a fairly clear path to make it to the state tournament. Obviously, you got to win three or four games to get there. Uh, but how did you uh, prepare your team for that postseason run after you guys, I believe last year you guys lost in the district championship game. And this year you ended up obviously winning and heading out to the state tournament. So, so what was that sub-district and district uh, preparation like this year and kind of going through that? And, and what did you learn from the year before? Yeah, absolutely. So coming into this year, we knew that, you know, our subject was pretty tough. We had a tough Minden who um, has improved tremendously from last year to this year. And then we also had Broken Bow who, you know, was kind of loaded in that senior classroom with or senior class with a lot of experience. So, you know, preparing for them. You know, the good thing about that, I suppose some say it's good, some say it's bad, is that we had played both of those teams twice within the last month. Mm-hmm. So going into the subdistrict, we kind of knew, or the subdistricts, we kind of knew what to expect and we kind of knew what our game plan was going to be but there obviously were some things that we had to tweak because broken bow had beat us twice and men had beat us once so you know we really had to buckle down and we we were familiar with these teams so we didn't change a lot um within our practice and our prep um we just more changed some offensive things um and some defensive things and i think that they they certainly um helped and paid off but going into state um we try to keep things as normal as possible only mm-hmm. because, you know, well, those girls had been to state in volleyball earlier that year. So that I think was a huge advantage um, because most of them had been on that, um, on that court and they've kind of known what to expect. They, you know, they've been there. So um, we just try to keep things pretty normal and like a normal practice and just a little bit more high intensity so that we could, have that we played a little a lot of background noises so that we knew like hey it's going to be very loud my voice doesn't necessarily 
Karen. So we had to think, okay, let's do this. So we also had a marker board just in case we had to do different things like that. And so that the girls were prepared for that. But, you know, for the most part, we did. We tried to keep it the same as just a regular game throughout the season just because we didn't want to put any extra hype on it and have them have those extra nerves that we could control. Did you, uh, as you, so you, so you win your, your district championship and you know you're going to state tournament, you punch your ticket, you cut down the nets. Uh, in that time period, did you reach out to any anybody that had been there before for some advice? Uh, what did they tell you? What were little things that maybe you took from those conversations that, that helped kind of put those pieces into place? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'd reached out to my um, my high school coach, Jason Gunderson, um, what is at Sutherland now, but he's not coaching anymore. Um, just to kind of ask him because when he moved to Sutherland, he took a couple teams down to state. The only thing that was so different about this year than when, uh, you know, he had gone is – the layout you know so it was a week-long state rather than uh, two or three day long state so a lot of it was is do you do you go stem or do you go there and back so that you can prep do you go to school you know stuff like that is just trying to keep things as normal as possible but you know Gothenburg's just far enough away from Lincoln (laughs) where by the time you get there and get settled and play and then come back you know you're just turning around and going back so we essentially we did just decide to stay which i think was okay it was an experience for the girls to get down there and see it and we watched it through other games and um you know we we won that first game which was awesome so we were able to stay um a couple more days and play a couple more games which was awesome but mm-hmm. you know a lot of the things were just um keep your team organized, keep everything ready to go, try to practice um, while you're down there. Um, even though schools are still in school, so we had to find like a facility that um, didn't have school at the time and have a couple walkthroughs and stuff like that. But, you know, yeah, he helped out a lot. and um, mm-hmm. I appreciate him for that. How did you delegate those responsibilities to your staff? Yeah, you know, I, I'm pretty blessed with a pretty awesome staff. Um my assistant coaches I've got two of them and you know one is really uh, designated toward the um the manager's coach so she is in charge of the manager she's in charge of um essentially getting everything ready the balls and everything ready to go make sure we don't leave anything like that behind we have the med kit and whatnot and then we have uh, my other assistant coach who is um the scouting fool <laughs> he reaches out he gets all the game film that we need he knows how to he knows huddle through and through like i swear that man could run huddle and he <laughs> breaks everything down does all of our stats you know does all that stuff so his job was hey reach out get scouting reports here let's try to go here and then the other job was hey make sure we have all of this in order and then i'll do the itinerary i've got the hotels i've got the girls i've got all that stuff uh-huh. so you know we make a pretty good team uh-huh. you had lost to Broken Bow, I believe, three times uh, during the regular season. And so you play them for, you know, as the math falls, you, you get them for a fourth time at the state tournament. Uh, that's the way we do it here in Nebraska. It's, it's, it's a lot of math. It's a lot of math. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you, you get uh, your kids played really, really well that day. Uh, you, you withstood a late charge. You end up winning the ball game. Uh, and and then you got beat by uh, you guys played Lutheran in the semifinal, right? Or did you play yep, North correct. Lutheran? Okay, um, so you, you you beat Lutheran, um, and you know, so you, you you end up playing three games. Uh, what kind of after after you've had you've now had two or three months to kind of sit back to have some perspective? Um, what kind of growth do you think you made? <laughs> 
going through that first run that you know that any quality coach is going to make you got to have that first run at some point and what did you learn what kind of growth did you feel that you learned about yourself or that you made in yourself by going through this and and leading your team uh, through this state tournament experience yeah, it was it was certainly a, a wonderful experience, and I think that I am very privileged to be able to be there and go through that. Um, you know, I think a lot of the growing that I did was you know those in game situations and maintaining um, calmness and and knowing what to do and when to do it. You know, you know, especially in that broken boat game. You know, we came down to. Oh, we were up three, you know, Bo had the ball with like four seconds left. It's one of those things where, you know, you watch college basketball, you watch all this stuff and you hear these announcers all the time that like, do you foul? So they don't shoot a free three pointer. Or do you not foul? You know? So it's kind of those things. It's like, okay, it really tests you and it makes you grow as a coach in those situations to know, okay, what is the right choice to make here? Is there a right choice? And will it go the way we want it to go? Luckily it did go the way we want it to go. We did foul and, uh, they missed, um, They made one free throw, missed the second one, and we got the rebound, which was uh, wonderful. But, you know, in that instance, what if it didn't go that way? And then, you know, so I think it's just more ground that I've got is those in-game situations and how to prepare a team on a short notice because then you have a pretty quick turnaround to the Lincoln Lutheran game. Yeah. Luckily, we did have Lincoln Lutheran last year in the district final. That's we lost to. So we have seen them before. Um, so we kind of knew what to expect there. Um, but then the GICC team that we played for the third, fourth place game, you know, we've never seen them um, preparing for the height that they had was was tough because our tallest girl was 5'10", you know. So it's just something that um, growing is just trying to prepare them, maintain it in game situations and different things like that. Uh-huh. Do you... And be honest here, okay? Um, you feel a little bit more confident in yourself now after going through it. You know, I really do. Um, as, a, as a as a coach, and I, I, I guess I would say as a younger coach, um, you know, I I don't have a ton of confidence in my in myself when it comes, excuse me, when it, when it comes to stuff like that. And I do I do feel a little bit more confident, and I feel that even the girls and my assistant coaches trust me a little bit more, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Um, your your run and and I believe you you had very little. Se- did you have any seniors that that played last year? We didn't have a senior on the roster. Didn't have a senior on the roster, so you got everybody back. Uh, no free agent acquisitions or anything like that. Uh, but you you got everybody back. Uh, what has that run done for those girls? Their confidence now going into the con- uh, into the to the off season and. And how is that, you know, obviously we've just started with the summer stuff, but is the vibe different with the group compared to, you know, last year at this time, it was like, I hope we get to the state tournament, you know, perhaps, whereas now, you know, what's what's the vibe like now? Yeah, you know, I think the vibe throughout the entire school and girls athletics is so much better. So for instance, my first year, you know, we had, I think we had 20 girls on the the team. My second year we were down to 18 and this year we've got, you know, we had 31 girls sign up. So I think like just a successful run like that one time has shown like, Hey, that's, this is fun. This can be fun. This can be competitive. We want to be part of that. So I think that that's been huge. Now, not saying that all 31 girls are going to go out. That's just who signed up, you know, into the, the sure. off season. But uh, I, I think that's huge. And I think it's a little bit better of a culture and um, it carries into the summer, which we have started and girls are showing up, you know, they're showing up to open gyms. They're showing up in the weight room, which is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. We went to a camp last week that we had, 
<clears throat> I think 10 girls come to and you know the camps that we have for the rest of the year um the rest of the summer we've got almost all the girls signed up so we've got about 30 girls going to each of those camps which I think is huge mm-hmm. um you are a young woman that is that is coaching uh but you know I I had a conversation today with a coach and and she had a couple of female assistants that have decided not to come back for their own reasons, and, and they were legitimate reasons. Um, but oftentimes we see a, a complaint or a criticism of female athletics is that there's not enough female coaches that are coaching females. But a lot of times we see not a lot of females either wanting to coach or they coach for a short time and then they choose to step away for whatever reasons they there there is to to step away um and and that's their own personal decisions and i and i completely understand that uh i I guess my question is you know what can what can we do to try and encourage more former female athletes whether it's basketball or volleyball or whatever the sport checkers parcheesi whatever it may be how can we get more female coaches to get involved with coaching and then stay within the coaching community for the long term the way we see it stereotypically and i'm using air quotes here through the podcast cassie uh (laughs) the way the way that that men stay with it for extended periods of times either as an assistant coach or as a head coach or filling a variety of different roles what's kind of your perspective as a as a young female head coach who's had some success yeah absolutely i think i think first and foremost is you know women and i i, I guess i can't speak for all women but i speak for myself is you know we often get intimidated by you know the the the, the parents that you have now the administration that you have you know that's not easy and that's probably the hardest part of coaching is um having constant constant parents reach out um struggling with your administrator and and i'm not saying that my administrator is tough because he's not at all he's been wonderful but i think it's just like oftentimes women are looked at like they don't i'm trying how am i trying to put this they don't necessarily know what they're talking about or you know what i mean they're not as skilled as men or they don't have that that type of uh thought process as men Mm -hmm. and if i'm being completely honest like two of my main um, role models and have got me into coach are, are men. And, mm-hmm. and Dr. Rhodes, he helped me. He sat me down. He took me under his wing. He gave me that chance at Maxwell and uh, kind of talked X and O's. And, and I think that he was a huge help and he kind of put my mind in the, that, that thought process of things. And then Ryan Jones, who was the AD at Maxwell, um, he has developed me into so much of the critical thinking and the outside the box thinking and the game uh, management and the strategies, not necessarily the X's and the O's, but when to foul, how to foul, you know, hack squads and different things like that. So like two of my biggest mentors, I suppose, were men. So I think that I was blessed and privileged with that because I, th- I think that it's helped me develop a different way. But then off to other courses, I think that, women don't necessarily stay in coaching as long probably because you know they they're raising families they start having kids and then they have to step away and uh be at home with their kids where men have a little bit more of a flexibility with that Mm -hmm. um so i think that that probably is part of it but you know i think just helping um build confidence in women and giving those those extra resources that they use and you know i think even having a mentor is huge um in coaching so that you have somebody you can go to and i think oftentimes especially 
uh, young female coaches is if you don't have anybody to go to, then you feel like you're on your own. And then it's like, you don't really, you're not, you don't become super successful and then you just choose to step away. Yeah. What can you, 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 you referenced, I think a little bit, maybe I'm asking a rhetorical question here. Uh, you know, from your perspective, you know, you mentioned mentors or, or things like that. And, and it sounds like you were pretty fortunate to have a couple of people in your corner very early on. Uh, what are other, what per, perhaps are maybe other ways that, you know, females can come over these unfair stereotypes? Uh, you know, uh, she's not a strategist because she's a woman or, you know, things like that that are completely unfair and, and not true. Um you know how? Uh, what are what are ways? What are what are things that that women and women that are young women that are interested in coaching? What are, what can they do to to go and and find those things? Do you, do you feel like maybe it, it's something that you can kind of do? And not to put too much pressure on you here, Cassie, but you know to to have that platform. Like, yeah, you, you can you can have it all. You just got to be willing to to ride those things out. I mean, d- does my question make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think the most important thing for a woman, especially if they're young and they want to coach, is say, you know, you do, you have to write it out. There's Things are not going to be easy, but it's not going to be easy for anybody, whether you're a man or a woman, you know, that's just coaching in general. I think, I think we're figuring that out the more that we go and the further on we are in society. But, you know, just, I think just having the, comf- uh, the, the, maturity I guess is probably not the word I'm looking for but being willing to reach out and accept when you need help I think is the biggest thing and be be open to other people's opinions is huge because if you're you're stuck on what you're doing you're not going to grow and you know I think that that's important and of course I think that there's you know there's so many clinics out there and there's so many female coaches that are willing to help and you know there's a lot more either female ADs anymore that I think are willing to help so I think it's just you know, making those connections and being willing to grow. Mm-hmm. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to a pen and a napkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our a pen and a napkin university video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes from one page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links a full catalog of every A Pen and a Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of A Pen and a Napkin. A Pen and a Napkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. Okay, Cassie, at this point, we are going to switch it up a little bit. Uh, we are going to go with our John Wooden quote of the day here. So we're going to, uh, we've got Wooden's A Lifetime of Observations here. And each week, I, I take a, a, a passage or a quote from that book, and we, we throw it out here. We talk about it a little bit. So are you ready, Cassie Schuett, sure. for the John yeah. Wooden quote of the day? Yeah, no problem. Okay. John Wooden quote of the day, and this is from page 60 of Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations. Uh, the quote is, I believe in the basics, attention to and perfection of tiny details that might commonly be overlooked. They are the difference between champions and near champions. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. No, I would agree with that. I think that, well, the way I look at that is, you know, fundamentals and, you know, just the the little things are important rather than getting into all the crazy um, other things. Because basketball, you can can be as stretched out as you want. You can have a million different plays. You can have a million different defenses. You know, you can do things like that. And it's just... 
fine tuning the things that you know, I think is what's important. And um, it takes me, I guess, every day in practice um, during the regular season, we, uh, we run practices where like the first 30 minutes is particularly the same. It's um, fundamentals of some sort. So we do fundamentals every day for at least 30 minutes of our, gosh, hour and a half at the most practice. So I think it's just fine tuning those things, you know, um, triple threat, what to do with the ball, how to attack, jump stops, how to pivot, you know, just the little things like that that are essentially going to be huge in the long run. Mm-hmm. Well, let's jump into that. Let's jump into Cassie Schuett practice 101 here at, at Gothenburg High School, uh, the, the new high school. When I was there, it was a very, very old high school. My my classroom was about 206 degrees each day in the, in the oh. fall and in the spring. It was so hot. Oh, oh my gosh! Man. Yeah, that's that's how I stayed skinny when I was young. I that that whole year, I just uh, that and and my wife and I had just gotten married, and and so we didn't have any money anyway. So, uh, but uh, but let's uh, uh, let's go into your practice. You kind of referenced it a little bit there. Uh, you know, just just take us into a a typical uh, early to mid January practice. You've got. You know, your your big part of your installation process is done. Maybe you're installing something small on either side of the ball, offensively or defensively. But things are in a pretty good groove right now for the Swedes. Uh, so so what's a what's a practice look like? How do you use your assistant coaches? How do you use your managers? Uh, if there's anything that pops up in my head that I want to ask, I'll try to uh, politely butt in and 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 try to get that question in there. But I'll just kind of go ahead and let you cook here, Cassie, and, and tell us what you do okay yeah absolutely well i think the first thing um in my opinion is organization um being a sped teacher you know we have so many meetings and paperwork deadlines and whatnot so i think that that carries over into coaching and um you know i have a practice plan where um it's all put together by broken down to the time and you know the location and then every day we use a, a clock to make sure that i'm staying on time and we only have this amount of time to get through each drill um i do that because i remember as a, as a high school player myself i would always try to find the coach's practice plan just to see what to expect <laughs> you know and you want a little um, preview yeah, yeah, because I, I think it gives you a little peace of mind. You know what to expect. You've got your head into it. You know, you're ready to go. So I create something that the girls can see. I print them off. The managers um, are in charge of taping them under both baskets on both sides of the, the court and so that the players can see it. They typically gather around it right before uh, they start to stretch, and, uh, and they know what to expect that way. So then uh, managers are in charge of setting up. They come early. They set the clock up. They set the practice plans up. They have the balls ready. If we have cones, if we have anything like that, they're ready to go for that. Um, assistant coach also helps them with that and ensures that they have a checklist provided to get that stuff done. Um, then once we get going, you know, we always start with the stretch and then we go into probably 20, 30 minutes of fundamentals. It just depends on essentially what we feel as coaches needs to be worked on the most. If it's a previous game that we didn't do very good passing or entry passes or um, different things like that, those are the drills that we focus on. And my other uh, assistant coaches are really good job of finding drills that are specific toward those certain fundamentals. So um, I rely a lot on him to provide me with those drills. And then if it's a drill that he, he comes up with, he typically will run and um, the other, us other coaches will step in when, they split into smaller groups and go from there. But after that, um, we, we bring practices up into, um, we always do defense first, just because, um, defense is a huge part of my philosophy. I, I believe that 
defense is effort controlled. Um, and that's something that you have typically 100% control over. And so that that that's what we put a lot of our um, planning around and a lot of our stress on is defense. So we always do like a shell drill and stuff like that. And then we do um, in any type of other defensive drills that we need to do. Um, we do our zone. We do our um, man. Some days, you know, once you get into it, we, we break up and we do like all zone stuff on Monday and then we do all man stuff on Tuesday and, you know, then we combine them on Wednesday. It just kind of depends the layout and when you have games, yeah. if you have them on a Tuesday, Friday, or if you have them on a Friday, Saturday and how much time you have to prepare in between. But we typically do that. And then after that, we break down into um, our zone offenses or our man offenses and kind of go through that. And then we do those alone, usually against zero, just to kind of get that um, process in. And then we throw the defense in there to um, pick it up a little bit. With the timing of things, I think that it allows the girls to build, well, A, time management. They, they can, they're forced to look at the clock constantly so that they know how much time is left. Okay, I have a minute left. I can push, I can give 110% for this last minute. I'm going to do that, you know? And that's something that I've stressed a lot since I've been there is I'm not giving you this clock in this time so that you can quit 30 seconds early because you know there's only 30 seconds left. Mm-hmm. That's not what this is for. This is for you to know, hey, I can push that extra. And this is how much I have left. So, you know, it's every athlete is a little bit different, but they know how far they can push. And they know when water is coming because it's on the practice plan and, and whatnot. But um, so, yeah, so we'll do offense. We'll do, we'll do defense. So we'll do offense and we'll combine them. And then um, depending on if we have to input um, – uh, a little play here or there, sideline out of bounds, baseline out of bounds, stuff like that. Um, that kind of just is a, a day-to-day type of thing that we um, evaluate and see what we need to fix. And then we end up the day usually with like a, a continuous five-on-five or a, a FIBA three-on-three, which is just a fast pace. You know, you got to figure out it's like a pickup three-on-three game, mm-hmm. you know, something with a little bit more high intensity where they have to use those skills that we've learned throughout practice. And then they finish with uh, typically a shooting drill of some sort. Oftentimes I'll let the girls pick just because I think it gives them a little bit of an excitement. But um, if there's a certain drill that I feel is necessary, then we'll just end with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you said you typically go just about 90 minutes or so? Yeah. Yeah. How, how, do, you, how do you find that balance of – Here's all the stuff we need to do, but I know I want to keep it around 90 minutes. Yeah, so I, I get that question actually a lot because I feel like so many coaches like think that to get everything done, you have to practice for two hours to two and a half hours. And I think that's, especially when you're into January, I mean, you have two games, sometimes three games a week. And yeah. those girls are tired. Sickness, typically yep. you're fighting sickness, you know. So, yep. you know, I... I really try to focus on what's best for the girls you know not not best for them as basketball players necessarily because you know they're student athletes so students first but do they have homework do they need to do stuff like that so I really try to you know and I call me crazy or whatnot but some most of our practices really are at an hour 15 minutes an hour uh, and we're done there you know we start at four we're typically done around 5 15 5 20 so it, it's pretty crazy but I think that main thing is I have a plan going into the week. I know exactly what I want to get done for the week for the games leading up to that. And 
I find ways to get it in. Now, we don't go through the drills for very long. Uh-huh. I would say the longest drill we typically do is for about seven or eight minutes just because I try to keep them right around those quarters yeah. so that they know, hey, I've got eight-minute quarter. I can get through this type of a thing. Uh-huh. But, you know, over, over the thing, I think it's just staying organized and knowing – Okay, I have to do this on Monday, I have to do this on Tuesday, this on Wednesday. And I think that it's certainly doable to keep those practices short, but they're pretty intense too. So they have a they have these drills for eight minutes and then they get, you know, for every two eight minute drills, they get a minute water break is all, and then mm-hmm. we jump back into it. Yeah. So it's you know, it's pretty high intensity and and it rolls pretty smoothly. Yeah. Well and and I think, you know, one of the things that I have tried to keep in mind with with our kids is I also have to let them be teenagers too and you know they've got homework like you said but okay, you know what they need to go uh hang out with their friends and and do however they do that you know or whatever it may be and and sometimes and it sounds like we're kind of on the same wavelength there Cassie sometimes less is more and if you if you give them a little bit you know hey we you know, even though you know you're going to go for an hour 15, no matter what, if you say, hey, you know what, I got us down for an hour and a half, but if we do what we're supposed to do, we can be out of here in an hour 15. Uh, that is like, oh, that is just golden to their ears. And they will, even though you were only planning on going for 75 minutes, they think that they've shaved off 15 minutes of their practice time. And and that that. You know, when you when you put things like that, or if you truly say, "Hey, seventy-five minutes. Once we're done, we do this. We're out." Um, that seems to help them with their practice energy as well. Instead of trying to pace themselves for ninety minutes or an, an hour and forty-five minutes, they give you everything you have for an hour fifteen, hour twenty, and you get a heck of a lot more out of it, even though you're shaving off fifteen, twenty, thirty minutes from your practice plan. Is that part of your philosophy as well? Oh, absolutely. For sure. You know, I, I'm all about less is more. I think that, you know, they're going to give you what they give you. And that's why I think it's important for them to be able to see the practice plan. They know exactly how much energy to give and how much drill, how much they can push themselves and whatnot. And you're right. You know, they have to be kids. High school is one of the most fun parts of their life. You know, they have to go out with their friends. They've got to do different things like that. And I think if you keep them till seven or eight o'clock you know you're taking that away from them plus you're making them tired they're going to get over drained and whatnot Mm -hmm. i'm a firm believer in in that in the summer as well you know we have june is basketball and july is volleyball at gothenburg and i you know we could go five days a week with open gym they could go five days a week with weights and whatnot but i that's an overkill in my opinion because then then when do they go to the lake you know then they're gonna be calling you texting you hey i can't come today hey i can't do this but if you do three days, four days a week, then they know, hey, these are the days that I need to be there. I can have fun when I'm not there. Yep, yep. You, uh, we, we let off talking about culture and, and building a culture. And, you know, again, we, we talked about building loyalty and, and building trust. And you could tell, I, I could tell within the first three or four minutes of watching your team play uh, that, that you ki- your kids do things the right way. Uh, what... Uh, what are some other things that you've you've done or again we kind of talked about the the organic drip 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 philosophy but do do you have some organized things that you do within the season to help build that culture and to to get everybody kind of rowing in the same direction as pj fleck would say yeah you know i think you know it goes down to even 
the girls know, hey, being on time is huge to me. I think if you're a minute late, if you're putting your shoes on and my buzzer goes off and practice is starting, you know, there's some punishment that comes to that because that's part of the culture. And that shows that hey, this isn't your priority right now. And this needs to be your priority because it's my priority as well. You know, so I think it comes down to just simple stuff like that. But, you know, we try to do a lot of uh, team dinners. You know, we try to bond outside of just the basketball court so that we have that relationship and then we have that bond and we have that trust and we have that loyalty so that when it is on the court, then it's the same thing. It's reciprocated just in a basketball way. Mm-hmm. And and how? what are ways that you can tell that your team is together as you watch them play? What are, what are things that you're picking up on or what are things that you're showing your team on film to emphasize that bond, that culture, that togetherness? Yeah, uh, the big thing is no matter who's on the court, um, they, they mesh. And, you know, a lot of those coaches have to find, you know, the top five girls that mesh together. But in my opinion, with the girls that I have, I can put 10 out there. It doesn't matter what 10, and they, they mesh so well together. So I think that that's a huge part of the culture and knowing that they have that bond and they have that trust in not only me, but they have that trust in each other and themselves. And I think that that's, that's huge. And, you know, we do, when we do film sessions, we show a lot of, hey, this is good. We, we In our film sessions, we typically point out a lot more good than things that we struggle with. Now, don't get me wrong. We do point out things that we struggle with, but we do a lot more good so that they can see, oh, that's what they're expecting of us. Hey, we did that right rather than, oh, well, we didn't do that right. We didn't do that right. You know, I think that that kind of would beat down their their confidence and their culture. So uh, we really try to positive praise. Uh-huh. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin Video Library. You, uh, you're in a unique situation. You obviously you're at a C1 school, just like I am. You guys are a little bit bigger than us, uh, but you know, obviously, roughly the same. We're in the same class. Uh, you have multi-sport athletes. We're dealing with multi-sport athletes. Your girls have been successful, like you said. You pointed out they went to. Uh, state volleyball last year you guys made it to the state semifinals in girls basketball uh, how do you how do you work on player development and uh, you know having the kids excel in multiple sports but also you know you still have to be a little bit selfish you still have to get your kids in the gym for your sport uh, so how do you keep that balance how do you keep that player development balance and, and what do you guys do there at Gothenburg as a coaching staff to ensure that you reach that place where everybody is as happy as they can be with their opportunities to develop their players in their sport yeah yeah great question you know I think that um, first and foremost, although the weight program that um, Coach Schaefer is doing is, is extraordinary, and I think the most important part of it is it seems to be fun. The, the girls seem to really enjoy it. It's not something that, uh, you know, you have to pull their teeth or twist their arm to get them to. So, you know, he's got something going in there, which I think is huge because 
a, a lot of girls just, you know, they shy away from lifting because, you know, they're afraid they're going to get too bulky or, or it's not going to work like they want it to work. So, uh, you know, the girls at Gothenburg, they do, they're in the weight room, they spend the time in there. And I think that's awesome. Um, when it comes down to the balance between multi well, on that, on that is, weight, on that weight room thing, do, do you have any of your, your coaches that maybe fight that a little bit or is everybody on the same page? No, absolutely. Um, from, from my understanding, everybody's on the same page of it. You know, okay. we, we all expect the same thing. The volleyball coach, uh, coach Malberg, he expects him to be in the weight room. I, as the basketball coach, expect him to be in the weight room. Um, I don't really know the tennis, tennis philosophy or the golf philosophy much. Um, yeah. but you know, I don't have to work hand in hand with them as much because they're in different, uh, uh seasons, but uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what were you saying before that? Uh, so after the weight room, what else do you guys have going on? Yeah. So it, we, we try to limit it to, um, in June from June 1st, I think this year was May 31st technically, but uh-huh. we started on June 1st because again, I feel kids need to be kids. And no matter if that day opens on May 31st, I keep everything within June. Uh-huh. So we started June 1st and, and, uh, Coach Malberg and I work pretty close related to each other because we're the, the biggest two of the teams, I suppose. And track doesn't do, you know, they don't do as much stuff in the summer as what volleyball or basketball does. So mm-hmm. um, June 1st to June 30th is basketball. Coach Malberg um, and the volleyball group know that they don't schedule things during that time. And if they do or if they thought about doing that, then they reach out to me and they say, hey, do you have anything would this be a problem? You know, so we keep that communication really open, which I think is really big. Um, and then vice versa in July from July 1st to July 31st, that's volleyballs. And I, I do the same. I don't, I don't schedule anything. I don't schedule open gyms. Mm-hmm. So we only do open gyms for basketball in June and they only do open gyms in volleyball or in July for volleyball. Okay. So we don't overlap the two sports. Okay. And that's worked well for you guys. Yeah, you know, I, I think the last couple of years it's worked really well. Um, when I was at Maxwell, we did it a little bit different, where on Monday and Wednesday we did basketball, and Tuesday and Thursday we did volleyball, and we did it all summer long. Mm-hmm. But then we, we found that that kind of is a little bit tougher because – camps and whatnot it it kind of comes into like if we have a camp on on thursday technically that's a volleyball day you know so we saw a little bit more complications with that so i think that that's why we opted um at gothenburg to do it the way that we are but it seems to be good he's got high numbers in volleyball i've got high numbers in basketball this year and you know we we work together pretty well awesome uh last thing you are in a in a situation where uh, Gothenburg is, uh, safe to say a pretty rural community. Um, and, uh, but you are, you know, you're, you know, class C1 is, you know, definitely a very diverse class here in Nebraska. Uh, we have schools that are out, you know, kind of in the, in the rural areas of the state, but we also have schools that are right smack dab in the middle of Lincoln and Omaha and and perhaps have opportunities that you you know especially don't have because you know the biggest town near you is North Platte which is you know only about 25,000 people Carney's 60 miles away it's 25,000 people uh so you don't have as much access to AAU or 
uh, uh, just a lot of different things that maybe like a Lincoln Lutheran does, or even we have here at, at Fort Calhoun. So how do you uh, continue to to build that program and and try to to find ways to uh, to to make that I don't want to say necessarily work, but to to play off of those things that, and and not to have the the same type of quote unquote resources that a a C one school in and around the Lincoln or Omaha area has that that just logistically it, it just doesn't work as well for your kids and your families. Yeah, absolutely. I I do think that um, the the further east you go, the more opportunity you have and stuff like that. Um, we do have a couple girls that you know. Um, are capable and willing to travel. So they do travel to Omaha for the AAU stuff. And then we have a couple girls that play um, on like a West team. I think like the Sidewinders, I believe is what their team is called. So, you know, they have that opportunity, but I would agree completely that in the location that Gothenburg is in the size of the school, you know, all of the students, I shouldn't say all, a majority of the students that go to Gothenburg and they're on the basketball team live in Gothenburg. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, we don't have a lot of option kids. We don't, we don't get any students from other places that come in and help us out where, yeah. you know, I do think those C1 schools smack dab in the middle of Lincoln, you know, they have more of that, that option enrollment and they have those, those different resources that they can get those other, those other, um, athletes, which I think is huge. Uh Um, so yeah, I think, you know, we try, we try to make it fair. We try to give them the resources that they have. If they, if they're willing and capable, you know, they, they can travel for that stuff or there's a couple of them out West that they can go to, but you know, we try to just, uh, stick together and and make things uh, as reliable and as open for them at the school as possible. Perfect. Perfect. Great place to end, Cassie. I, I'm glad after the, the craziness of your day and the craziness of my day that we were able to finally get this thing pulled off here today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, any any social media that you want to plug for yourself or, or the school or anything like that? Um, yeah, you know, the school's big. Gothenburg's big on social media and Twitter. They've got a couple different Twitter accounts. I don't know them quite off the top of my head, but um, they go through those quite a bit. I know Mr. Morachek has one as the AD, and then somebody else runs one as just the, the Gothenburg school. Um, we also have a girls' basketball one, but of course, I don't run that one. My assistant coach just does, so she's got the handle, so I'm not 100% sure it's just Gothenburg's girls' basketball, I think. But um, yeah, I have one, but I, I don't use it a ton, and I just kind of post so. Um, to give my my athletes some credit where they deserve it. Sure. Well, I tell you what, uh, you know, I'll find it. I'll, I'll I'll tag it on when we drop this. So so folks that are interested in in your program, they can go and, and check it out and and uh, take a look at the things that you guys have done there in in Swedeville, USA. Uh, is is got is the sweet are we is Gothenburg the only Swedes uh, nickname in America? Possibly, maybe. I don't know. Is it? I'm not sure. That's a great question. Maybe we'll ask somebody that's been there for a long, long time. And, and I know a few people that have been there a long, long time. So <laughs> Yeah, you know more than I do. You should. <laughs> well, I'm not proud of that. Let me let me be very, very clear about that. So, uh, no, hey, Cassie, I really appreciate your time today. I hope you had a good time on the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, a lot of really, really good information that you shared with us today. I did, yeah. Thanks so much. No problem. Well, hey, why don't you hold the line here a second? Got to wrap up a few things before we sign off. Again, uh, can't thank Cassie Shewitt enough, uh, the girls' basketball coach at Gothenburg High School in Gothenburg, Nebraska. Uh, again, we want to thank our founding sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic, for sponsoring the podcast. 
Uh, follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. Download, rate, and review this podcast. Give us five stars. Questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Check out a pen and a napkin.com. We got a lot of great stuff, a lot of great coaching resources for coaches on the website there. And of course, check out our Patreon page. Uh, that's also on the a pen and a napkin.com if you want to visit that. Or you can go to patreon.com backslash a pen and a napkin. Uh, again, my name is Marty Plum. It's been a pleasure and a privilege having Cassie Shewitt, the girls' basketball coach at Gothenburg, Nebraska, on the podcast this week. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time. <laughs>